Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I just feel like we all need to just like you know, shake. You know, let's just. Re- I, I, look, I feel like I look like so weird right now, but I just feel like you know we need to shake a little bit. You know, just shake those. Uh, some of us might be a little bit cold. Who's cold here this morning? No one. It's cold. Perfect. Okay. Was it? It's just gonna. Okay. Everything's going wrong right now. We're just gonna settle down. Okay. We're settling down. We're going into the presence of the Lord. Uh, we are already in the presence, but we're just seeking to, to settle ourselves before what God wants to do. We're, we're changing things up. The reason we're changing things up is because we, we seek that the Holy Spirit would move in a different way. And it means sometimes we need, to, uh, we need to prepare ourselves in a different way. And so this morning, I just really wanted to get up before we, we're going to go into a, a time of worship and extend the time of worship now and uh, and, and then uh, Ron is going to come and, and preach and I just wanted to introduce the, the time. And uh, so, so many of you were here uh, last week and some of you won't, but we started a, a, a series in uh, the Holy Spirit called uh, Holy Spirit Hears More and um, I brought the first message last week on uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And today, uh, Ron is going to be speaking on the person of the Holy Spirit. And really, we're in this period of time where we're trying to set an understanding of what the Holy Spirit, uh, who, who he is, uh, his role, and trying to correct perhaps some of our misconceptions, but also remind. We're just in that place at this point in time. And then as the weeks go on, we will get into a time where we're going to seek to experience the Holy Spirit in a greater way and then to be empowered. In a sense, it'll get more and more practical as we go along. We're applying directly to things in life. But at this point in time, our place is uh, we're trying to understand and we're trying to open our hands and our hearts to say, God, would you come and reveal more of yourself to me? So that's that's the process that we're going into. Uh, Last week, I talked a little bit about uh, this whole uh, idea of being able to uh, rest and say, come Holy Spirit. And sometimes that's what we need to be doing as we come into his presence every day, just to be able to sit and just be quiet by ourselves in our own bedrooms and just say, come Holy Spirit, we want to meet with you. And that's the kind of place we want to be in, even in the service. That's what we're inviting you to do now. It's just to say, come Holy Spirit. We're going to go into worship and seek him. At the end of the service, at the end of the service, uh, we have a, a, an altar call. Now, that altar call, in the past, we may have felt like it was for people only with serious issues. You've got to come out and lay all everything out in the front. Lay it out and we look guilty if, as soon as we walk up the front. But we really want to change that perception. This is a place where we're coming. It's a place of the altar is a place of worship, prayer, and sacrifice. We're coming before God. We come to the front uh, as the Holy Spirit prompts you. And you will know. You will know if he's prompting you. Come to the front and there'll be people here ready to pray for you. But it's just this attitude of being able to step out. If I step out into his presence... And step out. It's it's part of us preparing the way, creating room for God to do His work. Creating room because a lot of the time that's what we need to do. The Holy Spirit resides within us. We need to create room so that we can meet with Him. And that's what we would why we would encourage you if if the Holy Spirit is prompting, come forward. If you want to pray with those around you, sitting around you after the service, please feel free to do that. We'll try and finish, you know, relatively on time. But we'll, please do not say at the end of the service, that's done, finished. That's when we're saying, God, would you come and meet with me? Would you meet with the people around me in a greater way? And we keep on doing that through the week. Would you meet with me? I want to hear from you. And I want to know you. So that's how we're going to approach the service. We're going to go into some worship and then we're going to have uh, Ron White come and preach. Ron uh, is going to be preaching, as I said, on, on the person of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who don't know Ron, most of you will, but for those of you who don't know Ron, he is married to 
Esther and they have three adult children, three grandchildren. And uh, together they've spent a lifetime of service uh, to God. I believe that Ron was already a pastor in a country church around the time I was born. So that's all good. We're not saying anything about his age, but he's been around for a while. And he has great wisdom. He has great history in the churches of Christ across Victoria as well. When I first met Ron, he was a lecturer at Tabor College and he was my lecturer. I can't quite remember which subject, but it was uh, memorable because I always thought this guy uh, came with a sense of poise and, and uh, he, had, he, had, he knew God when he was speaking theoretically about God as, at the same time. Because sometimes we, we do one or the other. We, kinda, we, we have this sort of emotional connection to God, but we have no theoretical back, background or theological. But Ron really brings both together in a beautiful way. And so then he arrived at this church about six or seven years ago, uh, and Ron and Esther arrived, and, and uh, they've been faithful members ever since. And you know that Ron uh, is one of the members of the prayer core team. And the reason I'm setting this up is because we want you to know that this guy comes with great uh, credentials, I guess, to speak to us on the person of the Holy Spirit, but also that he is one of us. He loves this church. He loves each one of us. Uh, and so to do so... To come from a place of love is a really helpful thing. And finally, I count him as a dear friend on a similar journey towards the heart of God, and that's really important. Ron and I will sit in his back room or his front room, and we'll sit there in quietness for time, uh, for, for often, and just seek the heart of God. And it's a beautiful thing, and that is the place that he comes from. So Ron's going to bring us a message on the person of the Holy Spirit. But right now, can I ask that you would all stand and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in a greater way. Lord, I just thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are here and this is not just a... Uh, it's not just an observance of you kind of just looking, uh, saying some words and coming into a place where we uh, meet some friends and all that kind of stuff. It, it is all of those things, but most importantly, you are present here right now and we want to meet with you. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you come in power. We ask that you come and reveal yourself to us in greater ways that we have never understood before. Would you clear out some of the things, some of the misconceived ideas we have about you that is stopping us from meeting you face to face? Would you open our hearts in ways that we have never quite understood? Would you help us to lay down some of our troubles and pain, not to forget them, but to lay them down, knowing that as we meet with you in a place of love, that you will help us see our life struggles from a different perspective and be able to meet you with those struggles and submit them to you, sacrifice, lay them down. So Lord, we, we, we lay them all down to you. We lay down our lives. We want to meet with you. Holy Spirit, come, have your way, speak your word. We love you. Jesus was with his disciples after three years of living with them, talking with them. And he said, I have more for you. I have more. And we're standing in this place because what he spoke of was, was of God, the Holy Spirit, who would be the one that would cause the more to happen. More. Father, we want to thank you for the immensity of your love. The atmosphere changes in this place because we're surrounded by your love as you minister to us. Grant us grace that we would have open our hearts for more regardless of where we've been and regardless of our situation, we pray. Here in this room, Jesus, we pray. And in your name, the people say, Amen. you may be seated. 
wonderful Jesus. And so Jesus says that he has more for us. And so we have this sermon series, Holy Spirit, uh, He is More. And as we've already had in our announcements, there's a feast of opportunities where we might come and open up our hearts and receive more. There is 9 a.m. prayer on a Sunday morning where we are saying, come Holy Spirit of God. And you're welcome to join us. And we have the sermon series where Pastor Paul last week commenced with the promise of the Holy Spirit and with great passion and open at heart set the scene of what we're after here as a, as a community. Today I get the privilege of speaking to you about the person of the Holy Spirit, next week the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And to reiterate, our Thursday week, midweek, Zoom, log on at 8.25, 30 minutes, 8.30 to 9 o'clock. Praying together, and then Saturday, May 27th, come at 7.30, leave when you must, but we'll be going to 9.30 as together as a community we gather. We'll be honouring our Lord Jesus Christ and have intimacy with him, intercession, impartation on, on that particular night. And we'd also encourage you to be here early on a Sunday morning. There's a way that we can actually arrive and end up all bustled, turmoil inside, saying hello to people, conversations together. And we can really put ourselves in a position where we go home and say, well, what was that about? Well, what, what was that for? But really, if we're attentive and we're here early, we get the car park, we check the children in, we come in. It's a beautiful thing to see people here at 9.55, but just quietly sitting with their eyes closed and positioning selves so that they can receive them more. And we would really encourage you to do that, but have that as part, part of your practice. So, feast upon this series. Uh, there is more. And so today we look at the uh, presence of the, the person of the Holy Spirit. Whoops, I nearly went somewhere else. The person of the Holy Spirit. As Pastor Paul said to us last week, the, the person of the Holy Spirit it's not an it, it's not an inanimate thing, it's not just a feeling, it's not a buzz that we get if we're at an overpriced conference, it's not something possessed by somebody of great charisma that says that they have the anointing and you don't. It's not a warmth upon the body, it's not someone falling over, it's not the weird, it's not the wonderful... It's a person. And so in John chapter 16 that I've already commenced in, in verse 12, Jesus speaks. And it says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to be the one that makes it happen in you. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it happen in you. Making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it happen in your life. Make it known to you. He, he, how anybody can stand on a platform and talk, talk about the Holy Spirit as being it, is just completely beyond me and beyond the scriptures and absolutely contrary to what Jesus was saying. And yet that was the heritage that I grew up in within churches of Christ. It was wrong. And I had to unlearn it. The Holy Spirit is not a thing, it's not an it, it is a person to know. So today as I unpack some of this and learn along with you this morning that the person of the Holy Spirit, I want to say three things. That, he's in, that he is in Trinity, he is in love, and he is imparting to you as a person. 
So first look as in, in Trinity. Uh, it's not a biblical word, but I'm sure that you've hung around the church for a while, you've heard the, heard the word Trinity. For those of us that are a little bit older, I don't know who you are, but uh, for those of us that are a little bit older, there's a, there's a hymn, that holy, holy, holy. If we put that in contemporary terms, we would say magnificent, awesome, incredible, how can I believe this? But it doesn't fit into the hymn line very well. And then there's a line within it that says, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Anyone ever heard that hymn? Yeah? Now you're all a little bit quiet. Do you think we could sing that line? (laughs) Or would that be over the top a little bit? You reckon we could do that? God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Yeah, you reckon we could do that? All right, out loud? All right, at the count of two. God in three You sound lovely. Why don't we do it again? God. Pastor Chi, I feel I can go home now. (laughs) (laughs) Or if we don't know that, there is is another that's more contemporary where they have uh, the Godhead three in one. Sing it. Father, Spirit, Son, the Godhead. The Godhead three in one. Father, Spirit, Son. Why don't you sing it to him? The Godhead three in one. Father, Spirit, Son. You're beautiful. You can sing. Trinity. So while it's not a biblical word, it's thoroughly within the scriptures. Now let me say something that's imperative for you to understand today. And you won't understand a lot of things I'm going to say today, I guess. But I want you to remember this. While it's not a word within the the scriptures, it was their experience of God. Their experience of God was Trinitarian. Their experience was that the Holy Spirit was a person that they were encountering. And as they experienced and encountered this, they implied that to the real nitty-gritty practical situations that they found within their community. And in the stuff they were facing as individuals within their family and marriage. They expected there to be a presence there. And so you have in Matthew chapter 28 verse 17 that you would go and immerse people into the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. You would baptize them in the name of the? And in the name of the? And in the name of the? Now they're doing that before anything's written down and saying that's that's the way you do it. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 to 6, you have one Spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of us all. And then again in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse verse 14, the Corinthian people have had an enormous problem with gifts and personalities, rejecting the apostle and all sorts of stuff going on. And Paul has been writing to them again and again and again, trying to sort this out. But the last letter that we have, which we presume is his last, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, he finishes off with this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now he goes through all of this explanation of how to deal with their communal problems and the issues that they're facing. But when it's all said, he's done well, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. That's the bottom line. Fellowship with that person, the Holy Spirit. So when he uses the word fellowship, of course he's writing in Koine Greek, and Koine Greek has the word koinonia, but I hear of the American people talk about this, they say koinonia. Doesn't matter. And it can be translated in different ways. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6, you hear the word koinonia expressed when it comes to the Lord's Supper. 
But there that same word is translated participation. So Paul says to them, and you have it in the NIV version, is not this bread a participation in the body of Christ? Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Same word koinonia that's used at the end of 2 Corinthians 13, 14, when they say, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Let's translate that word as differently as it is elsewhere. The desire of Paul is that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the participation of the Holy Spirit be with you in all of your circumstances. Get it? May you all participate with the Holy Spirit. So this is their experience, that the Holy Spirit is a person with whom you can be in partnership and in dialogue, that your life is shared with, and that this is the common experience of the community and is to be the common experience of us as, as believing Christians, that we're participating with the Holy Spirit. May the participation of the Holy Spirit be with you in whatever you're facing this week, whether it be finance or marriage or your career or whatever. Participate with the Holy Spirit. And how beautiful it is as we go back to our world of our struggles where things aren't exactly right when someone stands on the platform and says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the participation of the Holy Spirit be with you with whatever you're up to or as you represent Jesus to everyone, everywhere with everything, participate with the Holy Spirit. Now that out of that experience, that encounter with the Holy Spirit as a person, they then wrote it down in a text that I've been quoting for you. After they have it as their experience. Problem is that we come along and we have our text and we say, well, the text is to be memorized and don't you say anything different from the text and we use this text and we connect it to this text and it's like join the dots and this is what you're supposed to believe. When the text is supposed to direct us back to the person where in our lives we participate with the person of the Holy Spirit of God. And so eventually the Athanasian Creed comes to be. The person of the Holy Spirit in Trinity. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but there's not three gods, but one. And then you have it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, what is probably the Apostle Paul's high watermark when it comes to teaching about the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you particularly to read it. Because I take it as a norm that when the Lord wants me to know something, I will often get it through different, different people, exactly the same thing. So I have it in my mind, yes, tomorrow morning I'm going to, have, going to speak of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. A couple of hours later, someone sends me a message, and the only thing in the message is 2 Corinthians 3.17. And someone collars me up at the back before the service starts and starts talking to me about 2 Corinthians 3.17 and 18. Yes, Lord, you're talking to us. And in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it simply says this, the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. Now, he's not talking about Yahweh of the Old Testament, not talking about the risen Jesus here, talking about the Lord as the Spirit. And at the end of verse 18 there, 2 Corinthians 3, so that we don't get it wrong, he says, the Lord who is the Spirit. And so the Athanasian Creed continues, the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Spirit is Lord, but there's not three Lords, but one. Why would we be talking about the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is God. As the Father is to be worshipped, adored, knelt before and submitted to and honoured in every way. The Son is to be worshipped, adored, knelt before and honoured in every way in our complete submission. The Holy Spirit is God, is to be worshipped, adored, glorified, knelt before and received and honoured in every way. The Holy Spirit is a person who is in Trinity. Now that the Trinitarianism you see encapsulated in what's called the triquetra. Do I have that right? Triquetra. My Latin is not so good. So you have it on the screen here and if you put your finger on anywhere in this this triquetra, 
you find that it's everlasting. It doesn't end. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is everlasting. Never, never ends. All entwined with one another, with no categorization. No, no, he's the owner of the company. Here's the CEO and here's the staff member. There's no, here's the senior minister back checking us out and here is the 10am pastor on the front seat listening and I'm the one doing the work on the platform. (laughs) It's no, here's the mother-in-law and here's the daughter and here's that man that he married, that she married. No, that's not right, is it? It's not with a hierarchy here. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. The Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is Lord. What we're talking about, a God that is eternal, that you can trace the finger around, that never ends, but they are all the same in equality. So as we build understanding in this particular series, we're saying the person of the Holy Spirit is, is Trinitarian. And if we don't teach that and have that understanding down deeply within us, just as rock-bottom concrete, we leave ourselves open for the weird, the wacky, the wonderful, the dislodged, the dislocating to come amongst us. So it's imperative for us to speak of he who is the spirit of truth, the person of the Holy Spirit, who is Trinitarian. So secondly, the person of the Holy Spirit in love. And you notice that then the triquetra changes and there's a circle within the middle of it that goes around. And so there's a binding that's indicated in this triquetra now. Something moves around. There's something that moves from one towards the other, and then from the other, and then through the other, another, another, another. And this that moves around in this beautiful community of three, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, describes this God is love. And it's love that moves from one to another, through one another, around one another. In case we haven't got it, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 repeats it, that God is love. The essence of the Father, the essence of the Son, the essence of the Holy Spirit is love. And it's a different kind of love. Now, some of us may know something about what they call family therapy. I don't know too much about it, but um, the idea of it roughly, and I say playfully, is this, that you have, maybe if you have three, three children born, yeah? Let's say three sons. Anyone come from a family of three sons? Pretty rare? No, we only have to have two kids these days, is that right? Anyone the first born in a family? Hand up. Let me see. All right. Now, they say about the firstborn, the firstborn are the people that turn up and the parents know all of the faults of their parents. And they say they did it all wrong, they're pathetic parents, now we're going to do it the right way, right? And the firstborn turns up and all of the rules and regulations and performances and this is how, you know about this. All the rules and the regulations are there, and that person tends to grow up as a very moral, right, wrong, based, based person. Then there's the second born. <laughs> My Bible college lecturer told me once that the first born is an epic, the second born is an event, <laughs> third born is a coincidence. <laughs> Second board, the event. Now, this time, they're really excited because here's a newborn. However, the third comes along the way. And no longer is the middle child, the one that's so amazingly there with all of those rules, and the third one, oh, isn't the third one gorgeous? Look at him. And the second one gets dumped because now we've got a little one. I am not going to ask you who's in the middle. Of the family. Not necessarily is that going to be so for you. But the middle one has a hard time, poor chap. And then the third one comes along and the parents are exhausted with all of the rules. And no longer they say, this is the mark that you've got to have and here are the... We don't have punishments, we have consequences. 
And so the third one is like a rule breaker. And the first one looks across and said, you never used to let us get away with that sort of stuff. What are you doing? And the third one comes and goes and leaves a mess. And you don't put any responsibility on on the third one. You don't know whether they're going to be here or not. Aren't they lovely? (laughs) Now, say playfully. Sometimes I think that we put that onto the Trinity. The Father, he's the stern one. Rules, keep it, or else consequences. And the middle one? Well, poor chap. (laughs) I did say I'm speaking playfully. And the third one? Well, you never know when they're going to be here or not. They break all the rules. They leave a mess. Totally irresponsible coming and going. Where's the consistency in that? Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) And then we implant this onto the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But John chapter 4, verse 16, 18. God is love. And we're talking about the Father, we're talking about the Son, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. For you to know about the Father is to know about divine, perfect, incomparable, no comparison love. For you to know about the Son, it's the same. For you to know about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about incomparable, never before seen, totally out of this world love. Now, what sort of love is this? Because it's a love that has no comparison. Think of the the Trinity. The Father's love, the Son's love, the Holy Spirit's love is not one that is self-aggrandizing. There's not that pride of I'm going to be in front, look at me. I'm better than everybody else. There's not a selfishness about this. But there's a giving about this. There's a preferring of of the other. This is a no, you be in front. No, you, you can do it better than, better than me. Think of Philippians chapter 2 in the second, second chapter. There's no selfishness there. So the father says, well, listen. I will pour, John chapter 16, I will pour myself into you. And Jesus says, all that the father has is mine. I will empty myself in you and, and you go and present yourself. But Jesus in return says, no, it's it's not about me being in front. I only want to speak what you speak. I only want to do what you do. I only want to do your will. And goes to a cross. Then presents all things back to the Father. And and Jesus said, well, uh, I'm going to leave now, but greater things are going to happen. And the one that's going to do that is the Holy Spirit. He's, he's He's the one that's going to do that. He's the one to be with you forever. And the Holy Spirit, with selfishness and without ambition, turns around and says, no, I'm here to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything I say is going to be just taken out of him. And there's this incredible outpouring of generosity towards the other within the Trinity. And you see it demonstrated as it spills out from the Trinity out onto all things and us. That even while we are yet sinners, Christ dies for us and that love pours out onto us with our benefit and our good and our flourishing more important than the life of Jesus Christ who gives himself for our benefit. This is the emptying out of his life for the benefit of others that flows between the Trinity and now blossoms out incredibly overflowing towards us. And it is only the Father, it is only God that sees the desperate state that we are in because we are more sinful than we know. He alone knows what we are to be as a family on on earth. He alone knows the dysfunction that we have. He knows our addiction to preoccupation with ourselves and the trappedness in how we consider ourselves more than significant than anyone else on the face of the earth with what should, how life should go. And he sees our dysfunction and he sees the corruption within the hard drive of our well-being. 
And he alone knows the price that has to be paid to sort that out. And it's a price that no one else can pay. So the father bankrupts heaven with the only son that he's got and says, once again in love saying, here for your benefit. Here for your flourishing. Take it. And we are loved like in a love that we can never dream of and reach the end of. It's the father in that overflowing love. The Holy Spirit in the overflowing love the Son in his overflowing love pours out to include us within this rapturous delight of this circle of all that he is, that we would be one with them. And the name of Jesus is the only name given under heaven by which a person might be saved. There's no other name. And if you haven't received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, acknowledge that he's the one that God has given to draw God and you back together in harmony and unity with a sense of him being near, one in whom you can participate within the stuff of your life. You need to receive him and acknowledge him as Lord. And that means doing that in public. Jesus said, if you confess my name before others, I will confess your name before the Father in heaven. And there comes a day when you will stand and you will be asked whether you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord that he is, as the Savior that he is, the one name given by which a person might be saved. And from this point on, because you've heard me speak right now, you will never be able to say, I never knew that I had to. Because I'm telling you that you had to. The scripture says God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life and he who has not the son has not life. So you can walk out of here and say no because you've already heard or you can walk to the front after the service and let one of the pastors say I want to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. Do that. Eternity in your future eternally lies on that. So the Holy Spirit is in Trinity. He is in love, pouring out toward us with that, with that, with that liberality. So he's not a thing you put in the Holy Spirit. is not a thing you put in your pocket. He's not a thing you leave behind in the waters of baptism when you're baptized. The Holy Spirit is a person. And while the Holy Spirit comes to us when we first give our life to our Lord Jesus Christ, it's someone that we continue to receive because he is a life to be lived with. For us to say, well, I received the Holy Spirit when I received Jesus Christ, is to say, yeah, well, I've got a marriage certificate at home. Yeah. But have you got a person that you're participating and partnering with? Oh, but I got a marriage certificate. I received the marriage. what, What sort of marriage is this? The Holy Spirit is a person with whom whom we participate. In triune, in trinity years, he's in love and he's imparting to us. Such love is not locked away in a distant Trinitarian circle. It's not locked away in... Jesus Christ on the cross. It is how God is. And Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, God has pours his love into our inner being by the Holy Spirit. That is that the love that the Father has for the Son, the love that the Son has for the Father, is caused to happen in us by the agency of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? How much does the Father love the Son? How much does the Son love the Father? There's no gradations in this love. This much for you, this much... No, God is love. And the same love that he has for his Son, the Father wants to place in you, by the agency of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we come into the room and say, Lord, I need that. I need that. 
Do your kids tell you that you love too much? Does your wife tell you that you love too much? Husband tell you that? No. None of us can love with a love like that. And when that love gets to be poured into us, imparted to us, when we open up ourselves to it, John just speaks it as it is in 1 John. He says we love because he first loved us. Yeah? It changes the hue of who we are when we're deeply loved. And what I see... I verge on the edge of discernment or prophetic discernment now. When I see in the 9 a.m. prayer meeting out here and prayer ministry training where we've taken 36 people through prayer ministry training, what I see when the musicians and the Sunday morning worship team come together and minister to one another, I see that God the Holy Spirit loves us and knows how to meet with us. There is a way that he knows we need to meet him. We are a congregation of people. He knows our past. He knows our future. He knows who's here. And he knows how to approach us and be himself with us. He's not one size fits all. This is a particular church with a particular call with a particular administration of the Holy Spirit for what he wants to do here. And likewise yourself, you've taken thousands of years through the mixing of DNA to come together to be the, the person that you are, the personality that you have, the uniqueness that you have. There will never be another of you. There never has been. There never will be. And God, the Holy Spirit, because he's a person in triune, in love, imparting to you knows what it is that you need and as you know that you can you can deter the Lord Jesus Christ you don't have to receive him he's not going to take you over he's not going to barge into your world so the Holy Spirit perfect love in this circle he knows how to meet you but you need to say yes As I minister particularly to the men, I don't know. I find the first thing that has to go in a man, and it's the same with women, but I've just been praying for the men. The first thing that has to happen is the fear needs to drop. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, the perfect love casts out fear, and that's the first thing that goes on. It's happening within us as a congregation. It's happening us as individuals. The fear's got to drop and perfect love casts out the fear. So as perfect love comes out by God the Holy Spirit and begins to touch a person, they're ever so common. I'm thinking of so many instances where the person just sort of guarded on their heart, you know. I'm here, but I feel embarrassed. I'm concerned about how I'm going to seem. People are going to think I'm sinful or beating my wife or... Uh, I don't want to seem like I'm incomplete or I haven't got enough and people are watching me and maybe this person's got something or some agenda they're after, they're going to hurt me, they're going to embarrass me. All of this, listen, maybe this person's got to backtrack, what are they after me, they're going to wreck my life and all the stand there and all of this embedded fear is there. They don't even know it, but it's there and they're like blocked off. Yeah, I'm here, but you're not going any further. And the first thing that has to happen is the barriers of self-protection to come down. And our Lord knows that. The Holy Spirit knows that. That first the fear has to come down for us to be able to receive it. And so whether it be standing here out in the front in the ministry time session that we have, or whether it be in prayer ministry training or what, you see the guy, the guy stands there. Maybe he's got his hands open yet. Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It might be important. And after a while, he just senses, just, this is okay to be here. I'm not being embarrassed. And then you find that this is just a letting go of the tension. And, and because they're feeling love, just ever so gently, miserably, 
ever so gently beginning to just be upon them. They feel secure. And then they can begin to open up. This is okay. I can receive this. And they begin to open up. And if you've never opened up to that in entirety, it'll be difficult for you. Maybe say, well, what is this all about? It's unknown. There's, there's, there's fear there. The Holy Spirit knows how to take you on a place where the love that the God has got for his son can be poured into your heart. And that changes your emotions and your dispositions and your passions. That you are a totally different person when it comes to you representing our Lord Jesus Christ to everyone. Everywhere with everything. Because the mellowness of how you are ministered to begins to eat through how you deal with others. And the selflessness that is in the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit begins to get inside the veins of who you are so that now you're paying attention to how other people are going. And the universe is not just about me. And the love of God begins to move into that person. And we live in a world where there's a whole lot of separation, there's a whole lot of divorce, there's a whole lot of passive fathers, there's a whole lot of fathers that don't know how to tell their sons that they, that they love them. Some of us as fathers ourselves have never had a father say to us that we're loved. We have performance fathers. You reach this standard, you take this career, you take that occupation, and then I'll, then I'll think well of you. And there's other fathers that just can't get that I love you, son, out of their mouth, even though they feel it so deeply. And we as men need to hear that. Jesus was perfect, but he did no significant thing that we know of until he stood in the waters of baptism and heard his father say, this is mine. Beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. And then his ministry started out of a place of security. Not based on what other people said or the whimsicalness of his mind or his experience or his pain. He knew who he was. So we're standing in the room and different people are praying for this lovely guy. Lovely guy. And I feel to say to him, the Lord says to you, and I seldom speak in those terms. You're my beloved son. And a little tear begins to well up within his eye. And I know it's not me talking and it's not me talking now to you in your heart. I know that God and the Holy Spirit is just pricking the depth of who he is, reaffirming who he is, establishing him as a man, as a father, as a husband, securing him. In another instance where a person comes and, they, and they're standing there and I let, let them be. The Holy Spirit can minister better than me. I think I know what's going on, but I, he, he knows. I get out of the way. He will get, get to do the business of pouring his love into the person. After a while, I say, well, what do you think's been happening? He said, I'm his child. Pulling down the fear of the unknown, assuring your mind. So the Holy Spirit is a person in Trinity, in love, imparting to us the very life and love of God. And there's more. Yes. Where's my musicians? Now, uh, so two things now, yeah? Two things now. Just, just a thrill for me to be able to sh splash around in these things with you. There's more, there's more, there's more, Ron. There's more child. There's more. Two things. Um, one is if you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ in a public way, we're not here to embarrass you. It's the best step that you can ever make in your life because you're opening up your life to the eternal life of God, throbbing in you through all of your relationships. Seal. And we'd like you to come forward during this altar call, we can call it. 
like you to approach one of the pastors, Pastor Sharon, Pastor Pinion, Paul, Kyle, Chi, and say, I'd just like to give my life to Christ. Don't walk out without doing that. You walking out says, no, I don't want him. Don't do that. And for many of us today, I'm having understood that the Holy Spirit of God ministers perfect love. We know that we can have more than that, yeah. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to put you down. We're not here to, to insinuate in any way that we're better than you or anybody with that, but we all need to receive more. So progressively through this series, I want every person, every person within this congregation, somewhere at the front at some time, just being open, saying, Lord, you can give to me. I welcome you. And we'll be saying something like, Holy Spirit, I open my heart to you. I open my innermost being. Come flood me with your love. Come flood me with your power. Come flood me with your gifts. Here I am. For those of us, for those of us, for those of us that have been around the place for a while, for those of us that have been around the place for a while, we know that there's an atmosphere here. That's God the Holy Spirit loving and longing to be among us. And within this moment of receptivity, I don't want you to miss it. And while it may not be your time to come forward this week and it will is next week, I want you to just close your eyes, you that want to receive. The you that want to receive. I want you to open up your hands. Rich is going to put a prayer on the screen for me. Holy Spirit, I open my heart, my innermost being to you. Turn from my sin and self-sufficiency. And I ask that you fill me with your love, your power, and your gifts. Father, I want to thank you for the soft, tender hearts of those that have got their hands open now and their heart just bare before you. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you just love to be with them, the price that you've paid to do that. Thank you, Lord, for the passion in your heart and the way that you want them to live in sync with you as they represent Jesus. Father, I pray that deep within their inner being, that you just place yourself in your grace. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and participation with the Holy Spirit be with you all both now and forevermore. Amen.